Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by uniting mission-driven humans. I'm so excited to welcome a fellow Denverite and just so happens to be a top candidate for Denver mayor to the TNT mic. His name is Mr. Ian Thomas Tafoya. He's an educator, nonprofit leader, and promoter of the arts. He's a fourth-generation Denverite, and he has spent his life in public service. This is an amazing conversation about his hot-button issues, what he's passionate about, and he shares the human side of the process in addition to some cool, creative, and innovative strategies they've used to fundraise and connect with our local community to gracefully disrupt the, the space and make Denver a better place. Lean into this conversation. Check out Ian on all the socials. Make sure to go vote and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, watch the video on YouTube. Have a great day. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I am super excited today. We have some local, I'm going to say Denver, Denver royalty in the house. And you know my ethos run deep with Denver, families from um, this city, multi-generations. So I'm excited for this guest. We've got a huge election coming up, and I think it's about 59 days in Colorado. Uh, we are electing a new mayor. We have quite a few candidates, but I'm excited to welcome one of my favorites and local fellow Denverite to the TNT mic. Um, I'm going to give his bio, but before I do that, Ian Thomas Tafoya, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, fourth generation Denverite as well here. So super excited to hear where our, maybe our grandparents knew each other. I know. Let me, let's do the formal bio, but then we'll definitely do the Denver Do You Know? Because if you know Colorado, it's amazing. We're a growing, thriving city. And we still have like that small town vibe where everybody kind of knows each other and it's the whole thing. But let's give Ian his credit here. Ian Thomas Tafoya, educator, nonprofit leader, and promoter of the arts. He is a fourth generation Denverite who has spent his life in public service. Throughout his career, he has worked for three branches of, of local government, served on dozens of community boards, and led many successful ballot in, uh, initiatives. He is a proud civil rights and environmental justice leader and is currently serving as co-chair of the Colorado Environmental Justice Action Task Force. Tafoya's career is a public servant honors. Uh, Tafoya's career as a public servant honors his heritage of preserving and caring for the people, uh, for the land uh, and the people. So people's champion here. Um, before we get into it, let's see, wh where did you go to high school? Give me some of the Denver roots here. All right. So I grew up in Barnum. I was born in, uh, in St. Anthony's, which is now a movie theater and housing. They've totally <laughs> redeveloped it, the story of Denver in itself. Uh, totally. I grew up in Barnum. I always rode the school bus to school. So I went to school down in Bear Valley at Trailer and then Hamilton for middle school. And then I choiced into Lakewood High School to do the International Baccalaureate program. Um, so easy to get there back in the day when you could go anywhere in Denver in 15 minutes. <laughs> right. Shout out to the Ivy program. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I went to Eagle Crest, but whole family, mom went to North, both grandparents went to Manual. Um, so it's been, and a true story, I actually live in my great, great grandmother's house and she bought it from the city, I think in the sixties for $10,000. She was like one of the original female, um, homeowners. So, uh, big, big piece of my heart. I took over about are you in now? I'm in North Denver. Oh, okay. You're in the North side. Yeah. So I grew up on the West side. My grandparent, my great grandfather went to West high school. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, we for sure all the way down. 
<laughs> we for sure we've probably crossed paths before. Um, although I wasn't into the politics like you were. So give me let's get let's get to that. Like tell me as a young human, did you know right away? Because po- politics are a jungle, and you know I think our kiddos nowadays are way more informed. But to get into it, I think you learn early that it's it's a it's it's a tough space to navigate. But were you passionate right away? You know, I think I've always been about trying to make change. Uh, I joined student government the first time in like third grade, but it was really to achieve something. It's actually a funny story. We could talk about it later. Uh, but, you know, it is not something I thought I was going to be doing. I was a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher since I was very little. My day job, I do, you know, adult education now and civics. And I think that's super important. I got pulled into working in the government and uh, my career has unfolded from that of of really being a public servant and trying to help people understand. I, for my hobbies, like to go to zoning meetings and parks board (laughs) meetings or whatever, but it's a society we're creating around us. And like everyone says, all politics is local. People who say it isn't, they've never complained about shoveling or why there's not a stop sign here or why doesn't my (laughs) playground have X, Y, and Z, or why don't we have a rec center? All of that, local politics. 100%. Well, it's it's interesting because I think our teachers, I'm not a teacher, but several best friends that are, and I hear the stuff they have to deal with. And then I'm like, dang, what do you get paid? Like, we need to work on that because you're not definitely not paid enough for all this stuff for you young, raising young humans, but then having to deal with all the different systems where they're super flawed. And I think that might've been uh, super serendipitous for you to like see it up front because it sounds like there was somewhere in the heart space even if it wasn't la- labeled politics early on where you kind of had to be on the front lines to help the the unheard be heard um did, did anyone in your family have any political experience or was like was there any model for you growing up you know my mother was a social worker and i think that played a huge impact uh, i should actually say before that she was a union worker uh, okay. my mother was an operator back with mountain bell when you used to dial zero and you get yes. a real person on the phone <laughs> And my mom was a union steward and very much spoke to me about collective power. Her her job actually ended up being automated um, and we had lost everything and it completely changed the way we were living our lifestyle. And my mom then went on to dedicate her life to social work. And definitely, I think having a mother who worked, you know, for the Denver Housing Authority, she's worked in um, homeless advocacy for families. She runs uh, housing vouchers right now for the Commerce City. So I think I've always seen that there is a system in place that, to help people, but it's not enough. And that people are really all coming with way different kinds of stories and backgrounds. And you can't just lump people into uh, an us versus them. And I think that really has been the strength of my advocacy. And, you know, being Native American too makes a big difference. You got to call in all four directions. We need everybody to come together to solve our problems. Absolutely. Uh, diversity and inclusion, I think, is becoming, you know, larger and larger of a conversation. Thank goodness we're super late in dialing that in and having equal representation or even getting close to equal um, for a long time in a lot of categories. I was a recipient. Well, Title IX really provided for my opportunity athletics. So I'm deeply passionate there. And that kind of navigated my journey into diversity and inclusion. And then once I had a company and stuff, I, I, I saw a marketing brand. It was so critical that we had representation of all things, all places. Politics is really, really intricate though it's because it's hard to break in it's like an expensive sport like you need funding and you need all this you know you need relationships and so if you didn't grow up with any of that or you're not connected in certain ways it's you you start from behind from the get-go did you was that something you had to like build from the ground up or were you blessed to have some like um really good connections because it takes a village to get this going Uh, that's a good question i mean i don't know how much of it is your hard work versus who you meet and how that Mm -hmm. results in it 
I'll say that I did not know anybody in politics, but I did go to college with somebody whose father was a state senator. I did get my their daughter, her sister gave me my first job in the mayor's office, but okay. we just started out by going to school together. So I will say that some of that is yes, like who you know, especially to get interjected immediately into working in the mayor's office, right? Like that's a much different storyline. Uh, but I was the valedictorian of Metropolitan State University of Denver because I was dedicating myself to the community and to the work. And so that made me a, a palatable person to bring to the mayor's office, right? So it's kind of like you have to build yourself up and then you also get lucky sometimes yeah. and there's opportunity. But you know, the first time I ever went to any public meeting, it was for a class. It wasn't because anybody who told me to. It was the parks board for the city of Denver, actually the only board in the charter, um, like our constitution for the city. And they were like, hey, you can testify. And I was like, what? <laughs> All right, why don't we have recycling in the parks? And they were like, oh, it doesn't matter. And that got me fired up because I'm an environmentalist. And so I kept coming back to the meetings. And if you've been to any of the parks that have the purple dumpsters and then like like City mm -hmm. Park or Wash Park, that was my first political win. Okay. Uh, and 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 it was through that that I was like, hey, like there are all these other people who are sitting on boards and stuff. Cause before that, you know, I was a teacher. I felt like I was doing my civics. Mm -hmm. I was exhausted at the end of the day. I just wanted to go to the park and slack line and have a couple beers. And that's yeah. why I wanted to recycle it. All I wanted oh, to do was recycle my can because I'm teaching kids <laughs> to recycle. I love it. Well, I mean, but it's funny. So I can't agree with you more where it's like, uh, as I get older, I really try to like let go because we can only control so much. You got to show up. You got to do the work. You got to shake the right hands. You got to get I mean, a lot of things. But also a lot of it's just like timing and religious or not, I say God, universe or Madonna, I'm a big Madonna fan, whatever is kind of guiding you. I think there's little plays that like push us in the right direction. So you got to let go enough for whatever you believe in to kind of guide the path. But sometimes like recycling your beer cans is enough of a shove in the right direction to like light the fire to be like, oh, wait, maybe maybe I should be doing this. And I, and I hope like our young kids can hear that. Where it's like maybe you got just a twinge to go in a direction, maybe lean in just enough. So you so you won this big um, initiative recycling. What was the next step after that? Where like the ball started rolling. Well, um, what was my next step from there? Well, that same night happened to be like the parks board was there like annual meeting and they had extra food and they invited me in and they were like, Hey, like, why don't you have dinner with us, sit through this meeting and like learn about civics. And then I was like, Hey, I live in city park and I run by those greenhouses like every day. Can I volunteer there? And they were like, yeah, you can actually, thanks for asking. And I was like, okay. So I started volunteering, growing the plants for the parks. And then I started to learn more about how the city actually functions and then I decided, I was like, I'm going to do my undergrad research in plants and like increasing yields in greenhouses. And they donated all these plants to me. And the first thing that I got invited into city hall to do was to work on an urban agriculture plan. So like, because I was like dedicating my time to growing things, um, it grew my career. Yeah. Wow. I mean, no pun intended. That's funny how like one growth led to another. Um, yeah. You were like a budding, a budding flower yourself right on right on time uh did you have any like so you know there's a lot of hot issues there's a lot of big things coming up for denver obviously nationally we've got a bunch of stuff going on but would you consider in the environmental situation awareness sustainability um like your number one issue or how did that become such a passion piece for your campaign or, or your heart i should say well you know my birthday's earth day oh well, uh, see? so so you know i grew up i really grew up on like reduce reuse recycle there was always events on my birthday right like my birthday was always accompanied by like the celebration of the earth 
And okay. I also said, like, you know, like being Native American, my father and that family, my mother really made sure that I was exposed from the, you know, with the American Indian Center um, and so much other work and cultural experiences when I was a kid. So you kind of have that all going through my head all at the same time. But really, I became an environmental justice advocate. And that's about taking on the brown cloud, cleaning up our water, making sure people's energy is affordable, all of that kind of through an act of self-defense. And honestly, yeah. I feel like a lot of a lot of politics is an act of self-defense because you're seeing something that's impacting you and you feel like I got to learn the system to take it on. And for me, what that was is I'm in the city now, I'm working at city council, I'm watching every city council meeting because I staff the committees, right? So I'm learning everything that the council members are getting as education, I'm getting. And I'm like, wow, there's no one who's a scientist here and they're talking about data-driven things. Where's the science in this conversation? Then I'm like, wow, where's the humanity as they're deciding to widen I-70 through my mother's community where they're taking homes, they're digging up polluted soil, it's gonna drive more of climate crisis, right? And so I'm working at the city and at the same time, they've criminalized homelessness and they're literally destroying people's belongings and it's just soul crushing to get the calls at city hall of people so upset that I was like, I'm going to run. Right. So I ran for council when I was 28 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. Really, really as an act of self-defense um, to use this information in a way that protects my generation for the future that is for centering humanity now. I mean, and, and environmental justice, my career again, just bloomed from there because I was like, it opened up my eyes. I said, oh my God, it's not just a highway. It's a refinery. It's an asphalt facility. It's a recycling facility, ironically enough, that I would start my career in that I didn't realize that there are also negative consequences to recycling because these trucks are coming into communities. There's potential for water pollution, right? And so my my scope of vision like grew from there. And I've dedicated my career to to fighting back. And so I ended up as the environmental justice task force director. And uh, it is, again, it comes back to an self-defense because for you or for me or for my grandmother who god rest her soul just passed a few months ago i was her caregiver for six years on oxygen so on ozone days it impacted her and i'm not alone right there are elders there are youth and we know that there was a moment in time if you grew up here that the brown cloud did go away mm -hmm. and we used to burn our leaves and things and we stopped doing it and the brown cloud went away but it's back and we have to rally the troops, as I would say, right? We need to rally the community to say it can be better even as we grow. Uh, amen. And it's and um, my condolences regarding your grandmother. That's um, I know that's hard. I was actually really close or am close with my grandmother, all my grandparents, and I know what a driving force they are in our lives, and we're lucky to have them. So that's a big deal. Uh, and that's amazing. Caregivers, that's a whole other podcast because that's extraordinary in itself. And I think the wisdom and experience and the empathy that can come with those experiences are just brutal, but also blessings and being able to relate to that many more people because there's really a lot of people going through a lot and doing a lot and showing up. On that note, if, you know, if you get into politics, you get you start. I think once you start to pull back the filters and all the things, you start to see the truth. Was there any point in time where you just felt so overwhelmed? You're like, you you know that one person can make a difference. One initiative matters, but it's like we've got to do so much. Is it just like mind boggling at times of how much we need to fix and so fast? Yeah, I mean, there's times where it feels overwhelming. There's certainly yeah. an emotional capacity part of this, and I mean, even from like a from a biology slash karma slash energy perspective, 
you touch hands with people, you exchange energy, but you also exchange bacteria, viruses. Mm -hmm. We know that stuff is coded in it all. Your brain and your experiences comes down to um, molecules, right? I yeah. mean, the dopamine, the serotonin, the stress, the anxiety, all of it, it comes down to that microscopic level. And yeah, when I, I do have a hard time sometimes. And after mm -hmm. I lost for city council, um, and they went forward with that project and they kept criminalizing the unhoused. I, I, I did used to wake in the middle of the night and I would cry sometimes and say, if I would have just run a month earlier, if I would have stayed yeah. out there knocking doors that little bit, feeling like that's all it took, you know, I feel like for the people who lose by like 15 votes, yeah, that has to be really hard for them. Yeah. But then I went to nature and that's what my ancestors tell me to do. Go to water, go to water, go to water. You're born in water. Um, you're carried in water. If you if water didn't heal, why do you cry? Right. Like these are basic yeah. principles that I believe in. And so I do go to those places to try to find um some serenity mm -hmm. in the chaos. Amen. All right. Well, you answered my next question is like, how do you do self-care? Um, I agree with getting into nature. I just I really like to add, and thank you for sharing that because I like to humanize our leaders on this podcast because I think people forget that our politics, our politicians, or our leaders, or you know, government or coaches or teachers, like they're humans too. And there's like a human being there that's breathing and trying to deal with human emotions, all while fighting the good fight. And I think that's where we lose our emotions when it's you know, Democrats hating Republicans and vice versa. And it's like, wait a second, sure we don't have to agree but we got to remember we're all we're all human beings at the end of the day and we're, we're living in the same world so uh I, I do just like to remind people you know that you guys are living breathing people yeah. trying to like carry the world and there is you know it's never been more complicated in our in ever than it has right now and i know it'll continue to get complicated uh but i do have a lot of faith in our young people i'm really curious to hear from you how you know they're they have the internet they're super tapped in they've dealt with stuff earlier than i have you know their mental health is a larger conversation how much has like the youth been involved in like your initiative or your support or your contact or maybe your inspiration like tell me how it is with the with the young folks and you out there well, I very much love to take every opportunity I can to go work with kids. In fact, I sometimes when I'm feeling down, feel like stepping away and going back to being a teacher and growing in a farm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that is super restorative. I want to answer your other question, though, about self-care really quick. Oh, and sure. That, you know, yes, going to the water is like a way that I go to deal with like a very immediate, intense issues. But I also go to sweat lodge. Um, and I sweat it out to deal with those issues. Um, I'm a firm believer. And, and so I, I did my research in plants, I was telling you, right? Mm -hmm. I also took botanical pharmacology. I make medicine. Um, okay. And so I make medicines for myself to redeem myself, right? Like, I think that's a part of it from the gathering to the intention it takes to create it. Exercise and active transport. I love to ride my bike. I like to walk. I like to take the bus. I'm very much an extrovert. So... I get restored being around people. Okay. Um, I'm an only child. And it's like, I can be on my own just fine. Um, I'm not saying I never get to the point where I'm like, hey, I just need to be alone. Like I've told <laughs> yeah. my girlfriend that, right? But like, I, for the most part, want to go out and be around people. And, and you know, just lastly, I love to dance. I just love, love, love to dance. And I love to go to cultural events. And I think that that's a place, again, like lift your spirit. So those are just some of them. I mean, I love to go, I love to go to the gym. I like to get massages. Um, I go do reflexology. I yes. see, you know, like I'm into the body work stuff. I'm into the spiritual work. I've had therapists before, you know, like, I think that it's ever shifting, yeah. right? Because yeah. of, is, it, is it your 
is it your mindset that's bothering you this week or is it your shoulder because it's cold and like right. does that mean you need to go see do some qigong or does it mean you need to go journal right like the prescription is different depending on where you're at uh but it's through self-reflection we get there and i think a lot of the group work and this will dovetail the next part right is like a lot of the group work you do with kids to help them self-actualize and to learn their emotions and to understand them um, leads them to eventually a place where hopefully they can do that on their own and self-regulate, right? But it's the Absolutely. investment, I think, into group activities that is the most powerful for helping our youth. It's interesting because I actually just got this question last week. We had our first mayoral forum all on stage. And the question I drew was about youth suicide and how youth suicide is up in, in, in um Colorado, it's up around the world. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you know, <clears throat> coming from being a teacher, we have to invest in that. Mm -hmm. um, we have to invest in, in libraries and rec centers and jobs, right? I got a permit to start working when I was 14 at the Museum of Nature and Science that meant a lot. Um, after school programming, all that kind of stuff is essential to helping youth find their purpose. And so uh, getting them disconnected off of the computer it can be a challenge. Um, I do youth mentoring with Spirit of the Sun, which is a native youth group here. In, and I've gone on um, like walking tours to teach them about the plants and the abundance around them. Um, and all I can say is, is there needs to be more participation by the community mm -hmm. because um, I love doing it, but I'm not in a position in my life where I can do it 10 weeks in a row because I have other demands on me. And I just feel like it comes back to together. My motto is together we rise. We have to inspire more adults to involve themselves in youth lives if we want to see that change. Amen. I, I couldn't agree more. And I actually just volunteered. Shout out to Holy Kicks. It's a local organization with the guy I train with. 501c3. And he um, walks with people experiencing homelessness and he gives out shoes. And uh, former preacher, we just did a school by my house. And of course, you know, I'm volunteering. We're all out there and it's great. But being around the kiddos, they're excited, that energy. Um, for any adult considering volunteering or if it seems like too much, you'll be showing up for them, but you'll stay in it for you. Like the energy I walked away with, just feeling impactful. Like I almost felt indulgent because you know, you're giving away, but like, it's just so good for you. And as adults, we forget, we get disconnected from learning or teaching or learning new things, or we get very set in our ways. And I couldn't agree more. It comes back to the community and you got to find time to lean in and give back. But man, when you do, like, if anyone's considered, just go commit an hour. And I think you'll feel that, that charge and that, that deep sense of purpose that goes away. Like it's super, super rewarding. It's like, you know it, but when you do it, it's different. Well, and think about the math in it, right? I mean, there are some people like myself or any of the people we, you know, actively volunteer with. There are some people who do 20 hours a month and there are some people who do zero hours a month. If we could bring a little more balance and that other person might not feel like they need to do 20 hours. Right. And I think that then you start to get into like, what's your civil service back to the community. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't all have to be around the military. I nearly joined the military several times, um, tested. Um, I, I was going to be on my way, scholarships, opportunities. But I realize that like my civil service is through education and through this side of it. But I think we all people feel inclined to do civil service. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage them that like there's a lot of ways to like think of it. I like that actually. You know, I've, we're on podcasts like I don't even know, 160 something now. And th that's I've yet to hear something along those lines. But I love that um 
broadening of the mindset of you don't have to go military. You can. There's civil service in, in other capacities. So that's very, very well said. And I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that's critical. And I really do think, and I'm curious on your opinion on this, I think people are more inspired than ever to help or get involved or they want to give back. I, I really see it again with my like under 30 year olds, like where they, they kind of maybe don't know what to do, but there, there, there's like this sense of optimism and I might be in La La Land up here in North Denver and I kind of do have my routine, but I'm curious on your sentiments. Like, what do you feel like the vibe and the culture is around the future? Do you think it's positive? Do you think people want to get involved? Like wh what's your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think hope is always better than hopelessness. I mm -hmm. definitely see excitement of people coming back together after so much loss during the yeah. pandemic. And I think that's an incredibly important part of humanity. I think that's the part that sets me different from many of my opponents. And I think if you go online and you get a chance to watch any of us, I bring hope and togetherness and unity at the center of my values, because we just showed what can happen when we come together um, to take on pandemics and we didn't get it all right. Right. So we have to look at what amazing pathways were open during that time and how do we continue to support them that organically grew to support the people and what can we look back at and say you know what we did that wrong and let that go right and that's all part uh, of of healing i think that there is um the world is hungry for somebody and for mm -hmm. people i shouldn't say one person right for every community for people who want to to center hope i do think that that is there I agree. And I, I think one of the great silver linings of the pandemic in that t entire time was seeing our first responders show up no matter what. You see these family members leaving three kids at home to go work in New York in the hospital. And there was all these like undercover heroes that were just making massive sacrifices on the daily, like many, you know, like our politicians. Um, and, and it just sort of happened. It just happened without, you know, without a major request like people just showed up and you know the news and everything is pretty brutal and they like to highlight the bad because it gets views and clicks and la 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 but there was this like undertone of just unsung heroes and there's just heroes and intentional good humans walking among us every day that you would never really know and um i don't know like the pandemic i feel like that was something i kind of leaned into trying to you know, just keep a positive vibe. But I feel like that some of that energy kind of carried over and, and people got inspired to do what they could do. Do you feel that at all in the political space? I do. And, and well, I will say one thing that's really interesting, and I talked to Channel 7 here in Denver, their news station about this not too long ago, is that volunteerism is actually down. It's been down the last like quarter and a half. Okay. Um, because I do think that people really extended themselves during the pandemic. And it's yeah. like, I need a chance to take a breath is like a part of that. But also think about like during the pandemic when even if you didn't have the money, you felt like you were supported, mm -hmm. right? Like some of that was through the checks with the government, but community showed up for you. And I think when that happens, like there is like a, a conscious shift that happens at that same time. And because like there were a lot of people who thought that way, but they've been in, they were in the grind, right? Yeah. Now for the, for just a second, because of the you know the student loans or because of the high right rate right, uh rises in rent or whatever they felt like they could just breathe for a second and when they did what did they choose they chose community they chose to help people right and so i i i have formed a mutual aid group that became a nonprofit. i've seen some of the participation go down i think what we need to do is we have to find ways to like celebrate and have fun again and I think it's also okay to let go of groups that have their moment in time, even if some of them are a hundred years old, right? Cause there's been a racial reckoning. There's been mm -hmm. all sorts of reckoning. Like it's okay for things to transition. And 
I would rather have a party that 10 groups are throwing with 10 people each than everyone having an event on Thursday that only 10 people go to, right? Like, and I think we got to figure that piece out. I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're trying to get there. I, I agree. I think that's really huge. And we I just did a podcast on, you know, when does tradition become taboo? You know, just because we've done this for 100 years and it's tradition, you know, now we have evolved and this is no longer etiquette. It's no, I mean, it's racist. It's uh, unethical. Like there's things we do have to let go of. But I couldn't agree more. When you can get like diversified groups, even if they're minimal, like, minimally diverse and it's diverse in maybe opinion or whatever thing outside of gender or race or socioeconomic status, we can just get different kinds of humans together. There's so much power in that. And it's like kind of like getting back to our young selves and getting on the playground. You fall down, you get up, you play with whoever, and you just, you're learning and evolving without even intentionally knowing it. Um, but I think we do get away from that as, as adults, we kind of get segmented into like our own space. Um, but on the flip side of that, I agree with you. It's kind of like the self-care we talked about initially that we can go so far in, you got to come back and also re-energize. Uh, but that's when we need that second layer of troops to come in and kind of take over and fill those spaces. Passing the baton. Passing the baton is important. I think that the pandemic created those opportunities as well, right? Because elders who had traditionally held these roles of making the shots and calling it um, had to stay at home and they were disconnected from it. And mm -hmm. it created a scenario where we had to make our own mistakes. We had to learn our own lessons and still talk to them, right? We still had access to them. But I, you know, it was, it's, it is, it was truly, I think, a, a, a transformational period for power. Um, and I can't speak for anywhere else because I, I live here, right? But around the state of Colorado, where I travel for my job, 100%, it's been transformational and there's been a transition of power to younger people. Yeah. Yes. And I have faith. Uh, okay. So I could ask you like hard questions around super political questions, but what I really want to do is I want you to express um, what you're super passionate about, like what are the big issues to you and what separates you from everyone else? And this, my what we try and do here is really highlight the human behind the brand, behind the company, behind the mission, because I really like people to connect with people on like a, on a very equalized level. So uh, you can take the reins here and like, give me what you got, what you're fired up about and why you're different from the rest of these. You know, I think, are we at, how many candidates do we have running now? There are officially 17. There were something okay. like 20 something people that decided to run. Okay. I was the second person to get in the race and I've been running for a year now and I'm also a fair election fund candidate, which many of the people have made the choice to use as well, which is why we're seeing so many people run. It's this exciting time yeah. for the podcast listeners who don't know the fair election fund was an effort by citizens to write about an issue to go and say, Hey, it's time to get money out of politics. I personally, yeah. when I ran at 28 for council, I was, uh, beaten by the person who raised the most corporate capital in the history of the city and county of Denver. We're talking one person and their ability to write 27 checks um, from an LLC, and it's an outsized influence. I think people are really recognize that about politics. And so we went to change it. And I was even in the commercial for it. It's called Democracy for the People. And the idea was that everybody wrote on dominoes what they wanted, housing, clean air, resources for youth, you name it. When we change the financing, we change our leaderships, all the dominoes fall in the direction that we want to. So this is the first election that this is possible. And so up until February 28th um, of this year, anyone who donates the from Denver, first five to $50 is matched nine to one. So $5 comes $50, $50 comes $500. To say no to corporate dollars and to have that match has been re really powerful. Um, some, some of the, uh, everybody's had a chance to use it. Not everybody's qualified. There are still bur burdens. 
Like you have to get a certain amount of people to sign your petition. You have to get a certain amount of people to donate to you. These are hurdles, right? That I think are in place to show like, hey, you do have a groundswell of support for us to put you on the ballot and spend that money. Um, we qualified early. Um, we got our petitions in in just a couple of days. We are on the ballot and we're in the top um, financers, right? Like we're in, last I looked, we were sixth in financing, which is really exciting. Um, you know, I am the youngest person running the same age as Federico Pena when he won, but I have 20 years of political experience of Great. working with people. And I think what I'm hoping people will take away from the successful ballot issues or going out and solving problems during the pandemic that have turned into nonprofits is that I have a track record of delivering results that are lasting for the community. It's not just rhetoric and I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and go do it. I was doing it when the cameras weren't on me. I was doing it because I believed again in self-defense that we had to tackle some of our biggest problems. You know, my biggest and number one issue is regional cooperation. And that comes from being from Denver and recognizing that our air pollution doesn't know if you're in Lakewood or Denver. The housing uh, issues going back and forth from Aurora to Denver and the unhoused associated with it, it's all of our problem that we're working on together. We're getting the water clean in Denver. We're the first people to get the water. And when it leaves, it's the dirtiest in the state of Colorado. That's not fair to people downstream. And I don't think that's like in our values. Our transportation woes are shared because of our land use patterns. And so I want to be a mayor who's gonna walk into the regional council of governments, all 47 governments and say that I'm taking the seat. I'm not appointing anybody else. I'm here to work with the 47 of you and your governments to be the leader with the resources from Denver to bring the change we wanna see. Um, you know, my next issue of course is environment. It means so many things. It's environmental justice for again, air and water quality Suncor, but it's also about financial literacy for businesses and homeowners on how we can lower our energy rates, improve our indoor air quality, make sure we don't have lead in our water, right? And there's unprecedented amount of federal money available to tackle that. And we also have an aspect of climate resiliency, right? We're going to have to start, we are at the point now where leaders that are older than us didn't get to move on fast enough. And we know mm -hmm. this the window is closing. I feel like um, this feels like college to me and a paper's due at midnight, <laughs> but I feel like we're going to get it done. Right. And like, that's the, that's the vibe I'm trying to bring, but it's like, look, if you've been in power for 28 years, um, what were you doing when we could have done something about it that was more incremental than the situation we're in now and give us the opportunity again for self-defense. My next issue is housing, of course, and it's elders is different. Like my grandmother who has taken care of and the unhoused, or how about the teachers or firefighters or grocery store workers? How can they afford to live in our communities? There's a lot of different solutions for that. I welcome people to my website to go really more in depth on them, but I can tell you um, whether it's zoning, directly serving the unhoused or caring for elders or trying to buy a home myself, I've lived all of those. And I think we need to have someone with that lived experience to understand it. And then lastly is public health and safety. And public health means so many things. It's food access, it's open space, it's clean air, it's clean water, it's mental health resources, it's reducing conflicts for the police, it's making sure our jails aren't places that are just there for mental health and other public health goods, it's preparing for the next pandemic, right? There are so many pieces, it's public restrooms, which my God, I, I ran on eight years ago and we still don't have public restrooms and, you know, I think outdoor access to park space, all of it. It's a larger vision of public health and safety. And then we have to be thinking about them collectively because even when you start talking about 
firefighters, for example, the firefighters, um, we, we have, we have air pollution issues, um, that the firefighters deal with, right? Because they deal with fires and what happens if we have fires up in our mountain parks? So we have to log it out of there. Or as we're building for the firefighters, they're saying they don't have tall enough ladders, right? right? We got to buy right. those things, right? Like we have to do our infrastructure. And I guess this lastly, what I would say is because I've been involved for all these years, helping pass the laws when they wouldn't make them, when I asked them to, to working to help create them for the inside is that we have a lot of plans that we've built that we're not implementing. And then every yeah. five years, a consultant comes and gets a million dollars to update it. <laughs> it's time we put the plans into action. And so, you know, just last I say, like, I hope people can see the work we've done together. And I hope they can imagine what it was like if we did it every day, if we got the hurdles out of the way, we got the buy-in for the people who want to build the food for us. We got the buy-in for the people who have an idea for mental health for youth, right? It's time for the government to say yes to the things that are working um, and not no to all these things we've invested in these plans. Let's go. Yes. It's not, it's not just what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. And I think um, any true great leader has to bleed it. And if you don't bleed it, it's just not going to work. So, you know, you do it, you've got the track record, you got the resume, you got the valedictorian, all the things, but you got the heart space, like you got the fire. And like in this day and age, that's what we need because it's going to be cold, dark and lonely and really hard. And um, it's a long road. And I, I love to see uh, this disruption in the business side because it's so much money and strategic partners. I'm a professional. That's what we do on a much different level with influencers and companies. But this strategic partnership that's been in, you know, since the beginning of America, like you have to disrupt these big situations and and, and money's a huge piece of it. So I'm so glad to see that, uh, you know, the fair election and the funding process is not only in motion, but it's, it's working. And then it can put you in front of people that are still doing these traditional systems um, or the you can then bring in all these issues. So uh, I think that's great. And I thank you for sharing each issue and why they're passion pieces. I do want to talk one more piece about the, the, the fundraising and whatnot. I'm really just curious because the business is such a huge piece of it. And you got to get the funds and the signatures and whatnot. But in 2023, you know, we're in this evolving space and even getting elected. How has the fundraising gone for you? And what's something you've done creatively that's been really successful? Um, not only so people can know and get inspired by you, but I'm re I really want our young people to know there's more opportunity in politics for good humans that are coming up to get in. And you don't necessarily have to have all this old school partnerships, but there's creative strategy, you know, just like artists and, you know, people have used TikTok and blah, blah, blah. But tell us some successful strategies you've used. Yeah, well, you know, we're what I can say is a couple of things The it's going really well. If we could get 1,670 Denverites to each give us 50 bucks, we would have three quarters of a million dollars. That's what we tap out at. I'm about halfway there Okay. Uh, with more than 800 and something individuals who've given to me with a plan to get, you know, our goal is to get to 1,667 in the next 59 days. Um, and a lot of that is spinning up now right because we're phone calling we're door knocking but we've been campaigning for almost a year yeah the thing i'm glad you say creative because i come from the creative arts industries i worked in a music television show for a lot of years i did city park jazz and the people's fair and the underground music showcase and i was a radio dj and talk show host on kgnu and denver open media my dj name's mr denver i only play local artists and that experience to me has allowed me to leverage it for financial um, fundraising, right? And it's not just the money comes in and it goes right back out, right? So we've been 
Uh, yesterday I had to, we've been to every district. There's, you know, 11 districts twice. So that's 22 coffee shops or small businesses <laughs> that got breakfast money from us. Right. We've done social justice happy hours where we supported businesses. We did fundraisers. Um, you know, we did 22 DJs, uh, with the silent disco for Halloween. We had an after party in a mansion in Capitol Hill with DJs for the underground music showcase. Um, right now we're working on a show at the Mercury cafe with two stages. Um, where your ticket that you, you know, you're donating, but you're getting something in return and we're paying all the artists. And I think that's one of the big things with the fair election fund too, is because these people operate as corporations, they can't just come play a show for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that being able to pay them for their art is like all we've been advocating for, for how long. And so I'm just really glad that I have the ability. We threw a play, we had a play, okay, um, which was really good. And people got to come out on a Friday night and and watch a play and um it is only through the arts that we've been able to have so much fun and it m- goes a long way i mean you don't need that yeah. much money to win a citywide campaign i won a citywide campaign this last cycle um it was called waste no more 306 recycling and composting to all buildings and businesses and venues um that was me closing the the door on that project that started when i was 22 years old was saying I'm tired of fighting this one building at a time, one group at a time. It's going to impact 31 million people. We did it with 50 grand. Wow. 71%. And I'm pushing $150,000 right now. And so, you know, we're in a place to be competitive with anybody. Um, And at the end of the day, people power is worth more than any dollar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I could not agree more. And the power... Uh, focusing a lot this year on culture, art, fashion, creativity, all those things, because now more than ever, we need these things. I think music is universal. I think sports are universal. Creativity in general brings, it's such an equalizer. It brings everyone to the same level. And it's just like such high vibes. So not only can you like pay artists for what they're do, whatever, you're getting people that are probably different together with something in common right away. So right away, you're like building these communities off common denominators that they didn't probably even intentionally to come come to talk about. They came because the art was cool or the band was playing or whatever. But really, this is for the greater good. So I, I think that's such an amazing and innovative way that is so effective fundraising wise, but impactful like for humanity, not to sound too cliche. You know, we just need our creativity in the mix of things more than ever. And uh, I just, I love some of these innovative strategies that you're doing. So if you're listening and you're interested in politics or you're a business person or whatever, check out some of these strategies that these guys are doing because it's really cool. It's really effective. And I think the ripple effect, regardless of the fundraising, the politics, just the positivity going out around them is, is exponential. I really do think it matters. It's cool stuff. So we're 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 coming up pretty close here. Um, do you have anything that is coming up that you want to tell the people about? Like we should come see you, come events. Like what what's coming up where you need to tap in? Well, what I would say is that it's not just my race, right? There are people who are running for city council, city council at large, a treasurer, a clerk, and recorder. I want to invite you to take the time to research them, to take the time to give them a follow on social media sign up for their newsletters, really vet the individuals and see who you like, um, because it really matters. And even if you just send one email to your elected leader now or who's running, if they're not the same people, you've opened a connection that you can use for other things. That comes back to being a civic educator. You just have to get out there and you have to start subscribing and start talking to people and that action will happen. 
Um, I have a debate. Um, we have debates coming up. You can go on my YouTube and you can watch them all on there because we upload them all there. I think that that's really important. We're right now talking about a spring equinox event. Um, we're going to be planting seeds with youth. So we would welcome definitely everyone to come out and participate in that. Um, if you go to my website, just Tafoya, F-O-R, Denver, um, dot com, you can also type in Tafoya for mayor. They all come there because we recognize that people search different ways. Um, is about going there and seeing that you can sign up for our newsletter. You can see what events we're going to have. But at the end of the day, I would love for you to come and have fun with us. I would love for you to donate, but I also would love it if you want to come out and knock doors or make phone calls because that's the true power. We're trying to get to 4,000 phone calls a day. We're trying to knock um, 30,000 doors um, in the next 60 days. Um, we've been knocking doors for a year, right? It's come in on a winning campaign at the end. It feels really good. And you learn new skills. I'm trying to think. I have a Super Bowl party that's coming up that people can come to. That'll be fun. And, um, you know, a lot of people, okay, there are some people who don't want a phone call and they don't want to door knock. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're cruising the neighborhoods and we're picking up the neighborhoods while some people are knocking doors. And maybe you might feel comfortable enough to try knocking a door. Um, you, one thing I would love for people to go online and see is we got these e-tricycles, electric tricycles, and they're billboards and they're cruising the neighborhood. Yes. So if you feel like riding a bicycle, <laughs> uh, you can come through. And then one that we haven't announced yet, well, I'll announce it here because we don't, we're going to say the date yet because it's not exactly set in date, but you'll see it online. Okay. We're going to do uh, a tamale fundraiser where you can come learn to make tamales with Tafoya at a community kitchen. We're trying to get people to experience these spaces. Um, we're going to do another workshop. We just did it last week where we went and built our own bus benches. And we renegade put out bus benches um, um, at the bus stops because that's the world we want to see. And we did that at the Denver Tool Library. Shout out to them. For literally $100 a year, you can go borrow any tool you need instead of buying them. Oh, cool. That's cool. I've never even heard of that. That's amazing. Um, two more questions. Number one, who are you rooting for for the Super Bowl? Ooh, I got to say the Eagles. I can't root for the Chiefs. I'm a Broncos fan. I, I, I was going to say. Here. I grew up here. <laughs> it pains me to see them win a Super Bowl. Oh, uh, I know. I know. But Mahomes is freaking amazing. He's like Gosh. a very, very talented. I, uh, yeah, I got to say the Eagles because I just. If I got to look at my friends who are from Denver <laughs> and listen to them vote all year, I can't do it. It's real. Well, I'm rooting for Rihanna. So either, either oh, there that, we go. You know, <laughs> it's simple. Um, and number two, what is like one thing simple that you would suggest if, if someone's like, I want to make a difference. I don't know if I'm ready to volunteer or what, but like, what would your be your suggestion of one change one person can make, make use water filters, recycle, go vote. Like what's your vibe on like the one thing you would tell people to do? I would say go find your nearest body of water and build a connection with it. You can do that by sitting there, putting your feet in it, picking up trash that you might see while it's there, take others with you. But I think that recentering yourself back to the earth will all the rest will come clear. Yes. Amen. Uh, I think that's great. And dude, I'm I'm pumped for you. I'm excited to see uh what what shakes out. We're rooting for you. There's just so much positive, graceful disruption going on in the mix. Uh, we will have all your links. I'll post up some of the stuff you have coming up. Is there anything else you want to share uh before I let you run on to the next initiative? Gosh, let me say <laughs> that I'm just very grateful and that I want others to continue to support Timberkin Tequila. I think that that really matters. My motto again is together we rise. Imagine if we could do this work together every day. 
we have to continue feeling that and putting our vibrations there. I don't know how many of you have been to a music festival and you said, gosh, wouldn't it be great if the world was just like this? We don't have to decompress. We just have to organize. Yes. Uh, if we can make politics more like a music fest, sir, you're onto something right there. So <laughs> I'm wishing you luck with that in Washington. I think Pharrell does a big um, music fest out there, Missy Elliott, and I'm treading off topic. But anyways, maybe there's some strategic collaboration within that. I'll put that into universe and see where things shake out. But I thank you for your time and energy. I really appreciate your passion and how much experience you have. And yet you're still on the youthful side and, and energized and hopeful about change. That's what I would personally care about without getting to the minutiae of either side. So um, I'm rooting for you, man. And I'm sending you positive vibes and hopefully we'll, we'll cross paths at something creative soon. Um, but if there's anything else turmeric and tequila can do as a fellow Denverite, holler at us. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yen. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.